Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, your relationship wellness podcast. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is a Krav Maga expert and coach traveling all around the world teaching others his craft. He's also funny, raw, real, and really vulnerable. Please help me in welcoming today's guest, Marcus Torgerson. Marcus, hi. It's so great to have you here today. I am so thankful that you have decided to spend a little bit of your beautiful afternoon with me. You are in Arizona. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yes, I am. So I'm guessing Thanks. your weather is a bit different than mine because it's snowing here. Um, yeah, we couldn't be more polar opposites. And I wish I could say, boy, I wish I had that weather. But then I'd be lying to you and I'm not very good at that. So no, no, I'll take my 90, 92 degrees. Wow. And it's so funny because we're not that far away to be such polar opposites in the weather, depending on what right. part of Arizona you're in. Um, yeah. It's only like seven, eight hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not near, you know, Prescott or any of those uh where it's dropped 20 degrees already. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, uh, I'm deep in, deep in the middle of it. So I, and I love it. A lot of people bitch and complain about it. I, my joints have not hurt once since I moved here. So I, I'm fine. Well, I'm kind of surprised to hear that because considering your history and your profession, you'd think your joints might ache a lot. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your path in martial arts and kind of where you are today with Krav Maga? Um, okay. Well, uh, my path started at 10, 10 years of age. Uh, so like 10 years ago. 10 years ago. <laughs> bless your heart. I don't even have a near enough money to pay for those kind of compliments. Um, so I was 10 and I started uh, Kung Fu, just like uh, pretty much every cliche on the, you know, you're getting your ass kicked and so you try to learn something and it didn't help. I still got my ass kicked, but I was having a lot of fun. Um, and at the time I was not athletic at all. I was literally no exaggeration, not putting myself down like the guy that was picked last for teams and would even like, they would say, listen, if you take Marcus, we'll give you five points. You know what I mean? Like, like it was that, uh, it's that bad. Um, and so I've done martial arts literally my entire life, I've gone from Kung Fu to kickboxing. And then I did a style of karate in my late 20s or early 20s. I can't remember in the 90s um, and got a second degree black belt in that. And then in 2005, I just wanted to be a student again. And so I looked into this Krav Maga stuff and the universe said, no, you're not going to be a student. You're just going to go right into becoming an instructor. So from 2005 to today, which is about 16 years, um, I've been on this Krav Maga journey. Um, and it's, in general, the, the journey is so that I can educate myself and empower myself. But the last 10 years since I've been on the uh, uh, global team of instructors based out of Israel, where I travel around the world, my job has been to certify men and women in Krav Maga um, seminars, workshops, gradings, testings. Um, but it's really the end of the day has just been me always striving to kind of fix that broken little kid from when I was 10. And I don't know if that little kid will ever be healed, but you know, I'm, a lot of, a lot of positives have come from that for sure. 
So you said you started kind of that journey because you didn't want to be that kid getting beat up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because 10 years old, like we all have bullies and and school issues and things like that. But it sounds like what you're talking about is a little bit more serious than that. Well, yeah. Well, my mother uh, was an alcoholic, a very violent alcoholic. Um, You know, I've said this in the past and people think I'm joking, but I'm not. When they say, you know, they would lay out, what do you want to get hit with a spoon, a switch or a you know, whatever. And I'm like, my mom spanked me with a frying pan. Now for an 80 pound, 89, 90 pound woman, that woman could chuck that thing like a fucking fastball. Um, my mom was very violent. So ironically, you know, I'm saying I need to get, uh, learn some Kung Fu cause I got kids beating me up in school, but really it's my home life that I'm, I'm trying to escape from, uh, which is, you know, I've had a lot of reflection in in the last several decades and uh she's been she died in 05 actually ironically the month that she died month and year she died i started krav maga wow no i don't know what where when why how it just happened that way mm-hmm. um so that's how i always remember how how long it's been since she died because it's as long as i've been doing krav maga right. and as a parent i and being around other people with parents you know it's easy for us to hate our parents for the retarded shit they do. But in fairness, I have to look at what she got for an education on how to be a parent and her, my grandparents, everybody on her side of the family is fucking retard. So I can't really blame her. I mean, she has accountability and I'm sure I did stupid shit. I know I did stupid shit. Um, I don't know if I did stupid shit enough to get smashed with a fucking frying pan, but, um, I got an appreciation for what not to do Mm -hmm. when you're a parent. Um, So the best part about that is having an abusive mother or alcoholic mother is when you meet other people who it doesn't matter the background at the end of the day, abuse is abuse and, and terrorized by somebody is terrorized. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're changing faces and names. Mm -hmm. You get a sort of a kinship with these people. You're like, you know, so I remember as a kid, you know, everybody in my neighborhood had a drunk parent, was beaten. So, you know, you couldn't really talk shit to anybody. You know, racially, we'd, we'd say racial shit to each other all the time. But then somebody would be like, well, you can't say anything that bad because your mom's just as drunk as mine is. Or, you know, you're out and hanging out in the mm-hmm. streets and you got kids that are sitting there like, yeah, I got kicked out again. Or kids got smashed open head or something. You're like, oh, your dad did that to you. Oh, yeah. Um, you, so you find this weird coping mechanism from that violence. And that's a bond that I have with a, almost every person I've met with. It's amazing how, how many, I don't say broken, how many, uh, repaired, repaired Good call. <laughs> uh, people there are. So, uh, I learned about violence very early on in my lifetime. Let's just put it that way. So I know you said, you know, you talked a little bit about your mom and was your dad there or what was, what was the status with that? Um, my biological father died. I think I was two or three, regardless. I've just seen pictures of him. Um, and so I have no understanding about him whatsoever. I understood he was a drunk as well. And then uh, my mother remarried, I think, uh, for a little while. And, uh, and then, so my whole, my upbringing has been, 90% women 
whether it was in foster homes or group homes or my house, um, there's always women that have raised me. And I've been fortunate that the men in my life that have come into my life, um, most of them have been positive. So, um, and I, and I'm really proud and happy that I was raised by women. Quite honestly, it gives you an insight to things that, you know, I think, I think any single parent child will say this, regardless whether it's mother or father, you just get an appreciation for things uh, that most take for granted. Wow. So it sounds like you had some positive male influences in your life growing up, even though your dad wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I had, I can say one, one for sure. Uh, his name's uh, Jim Maloney. He's a, he was my karate instructor. Well, he wasn't my karate instructor. He was my karate instructor's karate instructor. And, uh, you know, he's five foot six, Micmac Indian, uh, which in my neighborhood in Vancouver, uh, we have a huge amount of First Nations people. So I grew up with, literally, I grew up with Jamaicans, Asians, East Indians, Indians, Native Indians, um, you know, and so he, I got a lot of insight to things that I would never have gotten had he not been the fatherly figure that he is. And I take great pride that he calls me his son. And uh, and I still to this day, even though he's in, you know, back east, you know, I still thank God for the Internet. Uh, I still kind of look to him when I'm having a tough time. I'll still kind of be like, hey, what do you think about this? Because he never pulls any punches. Mm -hmm. And And in fairness, I'll be very honest. Had he not stepped in at a certain time in my life, my trajectory would have been different. And we, I can say confidently, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now because I would not have nothing that would have happened. Like literally, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was going to go down one or two roads and his, at this point in time, that what he did and said caused that, that path that ended up leading me to where, where I am now. If I may ask, what, what road did you see yourself going down? Um, well, at that point in time, I was very I lost and I was ready to just go to Amsterdam because one of my karate instructors said, fuck this, I'm going to Amsterdam. And uh, he was doing some doorman work over there and I was doing doorman work at the time. He's like, hey, just come to Europe and we'll hang out. And I was just lost. I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I was ready to fuck off and I hadn't been going to karate classes. And I was a brown belt at the time. And so Maloney would come in and he just said, you know, for like three weeks, I didn't show up for classes and he was pissed. So he told my instructor, who was my business partner at the time, he's like, Marcus better get the fucking class by whatever Tuesday, arbitrary name. So I went in and he was supposed to teach class. He pulls me in the office and for an hour he had, I was in fucking tears. He had me bawling. And at the end of the day, he said, look, I don't care what you do. But stay in, in town long enough, because we were just about to have my black belt test, get your black belt. He said, if you get your black belt, then go and travel wherever you want. Because at least when you've got your black belt, I know you'll always be able to make money. Because people will always pay a black belt money to learn from. They won't tip, if you're a brown belt, they'll be like, I don't give a shit about that. But for whatever reason, the term black belt uh, is a thing that people are like, okay, I'll pay you the money because you must know what you're doing. Um, and ironically, from that time, then I stayed, I went, I got my black belt, and I didn't go to Europe. I ended up staying, taking over my instructor's business um, to teach and blah, 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 to where I am now. So literally, he not stopped in, giving me a, a come to Jesus moment, 
and had me all oh, bubbling in tears. Holy shit, I was bubbling. Uh, I wouldn't be here right now. Fact. You'd be stuck in Amsterdam, right? I, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've been there a few times. I probably would not have come. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to know where that would have been. I definitely want to think. That's a special kind of place. Yeah, it is. So one of the things that I deal with a lot um, when I work with people in domestic violence is the cycle of violence. And it's kind of what you talked about before with your mom and how, you know, you couldn't entirely blame her because you had to look at what she grew up with or what she learned. So how do you feel like that affected you and your relationships going forward as far as learning violence from your mom and, and how did you equate that with love? Did, did love equal violence? And then where did that take you in your relationships? I know that was like seven questions. No, no, you're good. I, and it's funny because you can actually hear my brain going, okay, hold on to that. What you just said, hold on to that. What you said. Don't, don't get to um, um, well, like any dysfunctional relationship, um, I think it's it's nat- nature to bring that dysfunction into other relationships. Um, I've been married twice to two beautiful women, fantastic women. I'm just I was a shitty husband, um, and I've had a couple of very good long term relationships, and those ended because I was just a shitty a shitty person, and I was shitty because of a whole bunch of stuff that I lied about and was like, no, I'm good. And the words I'm good should be outlawed from the English language because you're anything but good. Now, how did violence affect me with relationships? Um, Not good. I was never violent to the women in my life. Um, Hold on. I have to check that for a second because if I, I don't want to tell a lie. I've raised my voice. I've threatened violence. um, And I've grabbed but I've never struck a woman that I'm with. Now, is that to say that I wasn't capable of it? No. Did I come close? Yes. And when you're, when you're fractured, your, your ability to understand why you're fractured, I think is impossible. I think it takes years and years of fucking up and and getting fixed. I know they say therapy, um, I've had my share of talking to, to shrinks and they were fucking useless. I've had people sit there and say, I can't work with this young man. Well, who the fuck says that to a, a 11, 12, 13 year old boy? I can't work with you. Fuck you. Um, so, you know, I'm 52 years old. And as I reflect, it's, you know, the sand, the sand thing, you know, mm-hmm. Right. So I've got, I've got a lot of sand on the bottom. I only have a little sand at the top. I hope you got a lot at the top still. Well, I have 52 years you and spending, you know, a, a large portion of that with, I don't want to say more negative than positive when it comes to relationships, but my track history record is not great. Um, so as I become more reflective, I see that first of all, you can't use your past as an excuse for what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So while I do give my mom a little bit of empathy and compassion for her action behavior, she's still responsible for what she did. The, the words, the verbiage, everything that was absolutely inhuman to hear, uh, those are her words. We're responsible for what we say, uh, which is why we should really think before we talk. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I'm very bad at that. So 
uh, I'm working on it. So to be to be honest with you, at at this stage right now, I am highly cognizant of violence, a temper, and what is necessary to refrain from reenacting previous behaviors. I don't know if that answered, but that's, I think I think it did. Um, what gave you this insight about yourself? Because it's really hard for people. I mean, it's hard for people to be introspective and self-aware at all a lot of times. But for you to sit here and say, like, I was, I'm going to use your words so people don't get mad at me. I was a shitty husband. I was a shitty boyfriend. That's hard for a lot of people to really recognize, not only just to recognize, but then to actually say out loud to other human beings. So how is that? How do you get to that point? When were you able to say like, yeah, like some of this stuff was because I'm not the best I can be in these relationships? Well, so like my mother, I became an alcoholic. Uh, now I've been sober. We're going on six years. And in that time, excuse me, I think it's fair to say that when you're not using a drug or a substance to crutch and lie about what your issues are. Um, and you're able to really have clarity with a clear mind and, and, and own your shit. Now, I will never ask my first wife for forgiveness. Um, I would like to. I would love for her to forgive me. But there's a lot of history there. And, you know, when you fuck up, you fuck up. Um, I, have, I have beautiful memories that are outweighed by really, for a guy with brain issues, uh, it's amazing how you'll hold on to those negatives. And for a long time, I used those negatives to propel me and try to be better at my job. My understanding of violence makes me better when I teach violence. My understanding at the end of the day is, you know, I'm just, I don't have a better understanding. I was a fucking asshole. And now I'm trying to lie and say, well, I'm using that to make me a better instructor. And that's, it's all, it's all bullshit. The only thing that I can, ever do is to be able to look at somebody I'm talking to and be as honest and transparent as possible. One, the fact that I don't lie is because my memory is so bad that I just can't remember. So it's just easier for me to tell the fucking truth. That has been going on for 10 years. Um, but I think that this is like an ongoing thing, right? Your question is a good one. And there's no real answer because everybody should be that honest. The fact that, that you said that it's rare for people to be that way, all that does is shine light on the fact that these people are lying through their fucking teeth and be honest. And the hardest part about honesty is that you make yourself very open and vulnerable. Well, if you're not open and vulnerable, think about all the people that fucking you've hurt in your lifetime. Yeah, when they liked a little bit of honesty and vulnerability. So I owe it to the people I've hurt in the past to at least own up how much of a piece of shit I was. I wasn't all that bad, obviously. I mean, fuck, there's some good things. I'm not trying to dwell on the negative. But, you know, the shame that goes with your behaviors and actions are stuff that I want the listener or whoever I bump into to understand that, one, own it. And do your best not to make the exact same mistake. Again, you'll still make a mistake, but don't make the exact same one, at least, bare minimums, shit. 
Right. I mean, I try to say, as long as we're learning from what we do, we're always going to mess up. Like I mess up probably 47 times a day. Um, But I try not to mess up the same 47 things I messed up yesterday. And I I at least kind of consider that progress. Um, You brought up progress, not perfection, right? Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. Well, yeah, if I was striving to be perfect, I would be sorely disappointed each and every day of my life. Yeah. Um, you talked about shame and, and that was actually something I wanted to ask you about because as a male, um, it's very hard for men to admit um, any kind of abuse, um, whether it was when they were a child or as an adult. Um, what again gives you that inner strength to just say, fuck it. Like, this is who I am. This is what happened to me. I want to tell people about it. Where, where does that come from? Do you think, or or when did you become able to say it? Well, so along with, along with an alcoholic mother, um, I was molested by two different men. Now, when you have that, all that, and you're drinking, like an insane amount. I mean, I have a genetic, I've got genetics. I've got alcohols on both sides and it's ridiculous. So when you have fucked up that much that you know how much you've hurt people and you've, you know, you've tasted uh, your share of uh, unpleasantness and I have shame for things I have, a few things that I will never forgive myself for uh, to which I have certain friends that are like, Marcus, if you don't forgive yourself, it's not good. And I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's not good. However, the shame of actions from the past and shame of being molested and shame of, of not of all that stuff as men, which is the reason why most men are sucking on bullets and the suicide rate for men and women is so much higher is basically, I mean, I know there's a lot of reasons for it, but the, the inability to feel like being open is going to make me stronger. And that, you know, I don't believe that all men feel being open is, is weak. I don't even know what weakness is. Um, I think real weakness is not being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figure if, if, if I, and I don't know what, like, I'm, I'm going to put the box that everybody puts Marcus in. Marcus is the uh, Krav Maga, violent, badass, blah, 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 all the fucking bullshit that comes with it. And if he can fucking be honest about all that shit, being molested, doing all those bad things, well, I can do it. I don't give a shit what you got to paint me with. But if I have, if somebody's listening to this now or viewing this now, and they're like, wow, that, that motherfucker just let it all out. Maybe I can do that. If even for a second they entertain it, I'll take that as a victory. Because the problem with men, I'd say human beings, because it is not a man-woman thing. Mm -hmm. The problem with human beings is the problems become so big and they feel permanent. Mm -hmm. They're never going away. And the truth is, is those, those problems are temporary. No matter if it's 30 years or 40 years, they're temporary. It's us that makes them permanent. And the lack of courage to do whatever it takes, healthy, whatever it takes, to show us that those problems are temporary and that they're not Mount Olympus. They may be Mount St. Helens, but it's still smaller than Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. So it's fixable. 
everything, everything, every fracture is a, <laughs> I don't want to say <laughs> fracture because somebody's wearing a cast. Um, um, but every, every, every bone that breaks heals stronger than it did previous to the break. So if we can use that same thing for our soul and for, our, for our heart and for everything else, well then, um, if I can do it, then so can you, right? At least I hope. I, I think so. I hope so. Um, I hope and, so. And I think, you know, what you said about, oh, this, this big badass guy, you know, look at him, he can say it, but that is where we're at. You know, there, there is such that stigma with men admitting anything that they deem as weakness. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, I don't really know what weakness is, but it seems to be, and I don't know if this is culturally or just gender, but, you know, men don't, a lot of men, I don't want to super yeah. generalize, yeah. but a lot of men don't ever want to say or do anything that could be seen as making them less strong, less than, or right. vulnerable. So yeah. how, I know we're not going to fix the world here in an hour, but but how do we get past that? Um, well, the truth is, is, and I'll, and I'll say, I'll say this, that if you're a father and you are this way, if you feel like you can't fix it for yourself, then just please make sure your children uh, don't see that and fix it through them. So that at least you're breaking the chain so that your boys and girls can sit there and see that being open and honest and transparent is not a weakness. It's a strength. And even in this world that we're in now with social media and just the shit storm that we're in, the real strength is by being okay with whoever the fuck you are. And regardless of what the judgment is, I, uh, I'm Marcus Orgson and I love to wear hot fuchsia pink shirts. I do. I fucking love them. I fucking, it's my favorite color next to black and arterial red. Um, now, you, the only reason people won't come up to me and say anything stupid is because they've perceived me as somebody who punched him in the fucking throat. I will. I think that's ironically, fair. Ironically, though, if somebody did come up to me and say, you know what, I think that is the most uh, homosexual looking thing on the planet. And I think you're a fucking fag, like using their verbs. Okay. Why am I going to punch him in the throat? One, I'm not homosexual. I don't see anything wrong with being homosexual. I don't see anything wrong with being uh, pink. This person has got their own bullshit that they've decided to vomit onto me. So fuck them. Now, I'd love to say that I'm always this cool, calm, and collected. Everybody's got a button. My son has cerebral palsy. If you come up to me and you say something about my son, you're going to the hospital. So now where I need to find the balance is to have that same calm, cool demeanor that somebody, when they attack me, as they do when I see somebody attack somebody who has special needs. That's hard, the hard part. It is. That is the hard. That's the hard discussion to have. So by having this discussion now, what we all need to look at, and you'll forgive me if I, I don't say men or women, because as a, as a species, men and women are insecure, fear-based mm -hmm. creatures. So if, we can just be acknowledging that and say, well, what's a man's job? What's a woman's job? Well, fuck, I don't know who the fuck. I don't know who said that a man had to do this and a woman had to do this. It's, it's about a partnership or it's about whatever your strengths are. Like perfect example. I love this. Uh, Marcus, uh, my V8, I don't know, some fucking car thing. And I look at them like they're retarded. Cause I'm like, I, I know where the key goes. 
and I know where I got to put the gas and then the engine thingies in the front and I can kind of fix my oil, but generally I give somebody money to put the oil in and I can change a tire, but I'm not really good at it. So does that make me less of a man? Uh, to some people it does. To some people it feels it's, that's not manly. Hey man, whatever. At the end of the day, find the shit that you do that's fucked up, own it, and alter it if you want to. And the problem is nobody wants to. It's hard. It's not easy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we're always going to have this discussion. And it's going to constantly be a cycle of events because the true strength is to put the brakes on and be like, yep, I am all sorts of fucked up. And what is, the, and just, it's not that hard to sit there and be like, what's the number one problem? Usually drugs or alcohols or some kind of addiction is, mm -hmm. is it okay? Deal with that. Now, once you clear that out, now the truth really comes out and you get to see how really fucked up you are. And that's where the real healing comes in. And the more you talk about something, the less it has power. People have said to me on a regular basis, Marcus, do you really need to go on podcasts and talk about being molested? Yes, because there's some boy, some girl, some person right now that's having that happening and they feel shame from it. Like it's their fucking fault. Well, if I can tell you it's not your fault, then you can find a way to heal. When, you're, when you have an abusive mother or parent or anybody abusive and they're beating the shit out of you, if I don't sit there and say, hey, you know what? Look, I survived this and you can survive it too. How else are you supposed to have any hope? This, yes. this podcast, this right now, this should, be, this should be giving you permission, the person listening, that man or woman, doesn't matter where the abuse is coming from, you can fix it. And it, you'll have to fix it in your own way because there's no fucking there's no cutter way. Mm -mm. No. I wish there was. That. Yeah. In this aspect, I would definitely say I would love that. Normally, I, I, like the, I love the fact that as human beings, we're so fucking eclectic and different and awesome. But when it comes to violence and, and home violence or any violence, just violence in general, um, I do wish there was a cookie cutter answer on how to, to not let it impact you the way that unfortunately it does. I do want to take a moment to recognize that you described one of your favorite colors as arterial red. <laughs> so I did pick up on that. Well, so no violence there. No, yeah, it's a good color. It's a very good color. As a matter of fact, my, uh, I don't have it. My holster for my weapon is, uh, it was a gift from a friend and she goes here, and it, it's arterial red. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you. You, you, you know me so well. I, it's a shame that it's an inner waistband because I'd wear that <gasps> shit out if possible. Loud and proud. I hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never mind the pistol. Just look at <laughs> the holster. The holster is what matters. Well, that would draw everybody's attention. So it wouldn't even matter <laughs> yeah. if there was yeah. a pistol in it. They would just be like, That's wow, that, that is some bright ass red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, true story. Let's, let's talk for a minute about your recovery journey. Um, you okay. said, I think you said six years. That yep, this month. Yep. Congratulations, first off. That is an amazing achievement. Yeah. What, did you go to rehab? Did you do it by yourself? What'd you do? Uh, well, ironically, my second wife uh, and I quit drinking at the same time because we were both drinking very heavily. And, and last time I talked to her, I believe it was last year. And uh, I said, happy anniversary, five years being uh, sober. She said, same to you. So she's still sober. Um, now, 
to those of you that are going through some type of recovery, do not use me as a good example. Because Disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer. Because uh, I think it's the 24th. I can't remember the actual date. I just know it's six years. But May, whatever, let's say it's 24th. Um, so obviously I went on a bender then 23rd. I woke up on the 24th and said, that's it. Fuck it. No more. And for the first, I'd say year, maybe year and a half, I was drinking tonic water with crushed ice and a lime. And you know, the big uh, red cups that they have, the big mm -hmm. ones. I was going through uh, roughly two liters, two liters of tonic water a day. Wow just because I knew that that was it. And now I, I'm not ever worried about going back to drinking. And I, and I say that only because, and I've had temptations. I've been around people who are like, Hey, just take this sip or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want it. Like, no, one sip of alcohol isn't going to kill me. But for the first three or four years, it did. It was like, Oh shit. I, I feel bad. Alcohol or any, any addiction. Fixing that addiction, no matter how much of a support they say, you know, that you have 12-step uh, programs, you have these incredible different things. And unfortunately, it gets to be like, if you don't do this, you're mm -hmm. faking it or all that bullshit that goes with it. However, you need to go into recovery that's healthy, then fucking do it and fuck everybody else and their bullshit about it. Now, that means that you're going to have to cut off some friends because for the first year, for sure, the first year. If you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever it is, um, chances are you're hanging out with people that do the same shit. You want to know why? Because misery loves company. Uh, so the hardest part with people going through recovery, in my opinion, is, is the support system. Mm -hmm. And food is the same thing. You can go on people who are changing their meal plans and, and working to do stuff. And then their spouse is having fucking Domino's pizza and their kids are eating Dunkin' Donuts. It just, it, fuck, it's hard enough to stop doing that destructive behavior than to walk into a house and it's, it's, you're just in hell 24 hours a day. Um, it really wasn't that hard for me. Only because I don't remember anything positive I ever had from having a drink. Now, do I miss it? Yes. There's a piece of dead animal in front of me, a big steak. I would love a glass of red wine. I fucking love it. I don't get to drink Guinness anymore. I love Guinness. Oh my God. I, I had to go you. to Ireland and do a seminar a couple of years ago. And they're like, okay, and we'll take you to the Guinness uh, plant. I was like, no, thank you. And I had guys, you know, the Irish, God bless them. They're fucking slammed. There's six, mm -hmm. six of them right in front of me. I'm like, guys, enjoy. Now, did I sniff it? You're goddamn right. I did. I smelled it. I drooled a little bit. I might have become a little sexually aroused. I don't know. Uh, and I'll still do that to, if I'm at dinner. I'm like, hey, can I smell your wine? Because I still, it's the, the little fucking bastard still in there. Of course. It never right? goes away. Never. Do you ever watch Gremlins? Yes. Don't feed them after midnight. Mm -hmm. Don't get them wet. Okay, well, that little gremlin, I got Spike or Spite or whatever that little Mohawk <laughs> motherfucker is. I'm not... <laughs> This may be gizmo out here, but inside that little bastard's got a lot of power and I have to fight some days more than others. And I, so long story about recovery is for myself. That's why I said, don't, don't look at me every day. I don't drink. I'm winning. And it doesn't matter. Like I say, six years, 
but to me, it's day one, every single day. And I write this constantly to every person that messages me one day, one hour, one minute, one second at a time, whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you not to drink and I, I drink suicide. It doesn't matter. I have the same, I have the same adage all the time. Don't do anything until you and I speak face to face. So on zoom mm -hmm. or anything else after that, you want to go do it. That's your business, but give me the opportunity to, to talk to you first. Now I've had people who are like, yeah, but it took you 12 fucking hours to get to me. Oh, well I tried. I got you. Listen, you were on the other side of the fucking planet mm -hmm. because usually when we drink or do something destructive, it's that moment where that, that problem is permanent. So I just need time. And then to talk to you to let you see that that problem's just temporary. So just take it easy. Breathe, push away. And, and I'll say this for sure, for those that are listening who are going through tough times, everybody relapses. Let it go. Now, if you relapse every fucking week, well, then you don't want to stop your, your shit. Right. But, you know, I've, I've seen people who have been 10 years and they relapsed. And, well, they end up killing themselves right after that because they couldn't handle it. it look, man, it's... it's it's, a, it's an ongoing thing for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have slips. You're going to fuck up, right? Like mm -hmm. progress, not perfection. I have a friend who is a recovering alcoholic as well. And she says you either die with alcoholism or from alcoholism. No. It, it doesn't, you never get rid yeah. of it. Like you nope. said, it's, it's always there. It's a part of you and it's never yeah. not going to be a part of you. And if you think, that's the case, then you're setting yourself up for, for failure. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I will say this. I've made it very clear to those that, that love me. I'm on my deathbed and it's fucking, it's for sure. I'm done. Pull the plug. Marcus is dead. I want some fucking Blantons or whatever that shit was that John Wick was drinking. And I want a big fucking glass. I don't care if they say no fluids and I want to have a shot of that before I go. I could give a fuck. Am I going to die with alcohol in my body? Yes, I am. If I get the opportunity. Um, but aside from that, yeah. And that alcoholism is with you. It's a cancer that you cannot get rid of ever. You know, I've heard you say, you just talked about, you know, let's have that conversation first. Make sure you talk to me face to face. And I've heard you say that um, on social media videos and posts and things like that. Do you have a lot of people take you up on that? I wouldn't say a lot, but I have enough to say that I'm obviously in the right way of doing that. Um, there's a couple of people who are still alive today that I'm thankful that they took me up on that. You know, and I, I'm not a fucking therapist. I don't know what the fuck to say. Just don't kill yourself. Don't have a drink. Don't do drugs. Don't cheat on your spouse. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're going to do, don't do it. And talk to me and try to fucking, I've had people try to sell me on, on it. Well, I'm going to kill myself because of this, this, and this. I'm not here to talk you out of it. I just want to sit there and make sure, are you good with it? You're sure you're okay with it? So you're okay with leaving your child wondering what happened. I wrote a note. Do you think that that child understands that note? You think they give a fuck about that note? No. They want to know why mommy or daddy uh, is no longer here. Oh, Marcus, you're putting that fucking heavy shit on me. Yeah. 
you stupid fuck, because everything we do has repercussions. I'm a grown ass man. I'm 52 years old. Anything I do is going to have a ripple effect. No matter what, no, nobody's on a fucking island. So if my rippling effect is positive or negative, that's on me. So don't do anything that's going to have a rippling effect that's negative to others. Because that's really, we don't give a fuck about ourselves. Because if we gave a fuck about ourselves, we wouldn't do the stupid shit. Right. So think about others. Serve your fellow human being. Don't be a fucking douchebag and do something that's going to impact negatively. I, I love how you don't sugarcoat it. You know, even, <laughs> even in these moments, I mean, with us, yay. But like, even in these moments, if you're talking to somebody that, that wants to potentially do something negative, you know, you're not, you don't turn into this fake softy of like, no, it's going to be okay. You're like, no, man, fuck this. Nope. Like, look at the okay. truth. Look at what's yep. going on. And I think that's so refreshing because so few people are just like real no matter what, all the time. And I think you definitely embody that. Like I am me and you get what you get. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, there was in Canada many, many years ago, a, a printing company called WYSIWYG. It was what you see is what you get. And, and I, honestly, it'd probably be my next tattoo uh, because I'm not the most professional person in the world. I have a, I'm an acquired taste for many. I've, I've got many people who are like, oh, that's Marcus. It, it drives me to want to slit their throats, but I am going to be me. I am very empathetic. I'm very compassionate and I'm very, I will be, I'm not going to be cutthroat honest. If I've got somebody who is going through a rough time, it's not my job to sit there and slam them while they're down. I will nurture, I will empower, I will educate, I'll do everything I can to get you up to where you're strong enough, then I'll fucking hammer you with the, with the facts. But there's a time and place for everything. Like, there's no, no cookie cutter answer to anybody's solution. And that's the cool part is, is that every, every situation is going to have a different, a different solution. My job is to find the solution that works best for me and whoever I'm talking to. Right. So mm -hmm. there's people who will listen to this and be like, okay, this guy's over the top, man. Then I'm not the voice for you. Find the voice, find whoever's voice it is that really resonates with you in your ears and in your soul and listen to them. If I resonate with you, awesome. Good. What you see is what you get. But regardless of whether I resonate with you or don't, if you got fucked up shit that you need to sit there and get worked on, then work on your stuff, man. That's, uh, it's never going to go away. Right. How long ago was it that triggers became the word du jour? Right. I never even knew what the word trigger was. I had no idea. I mean, other than on a pistol. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm from Canada. So I still didn't even know what that was. <laughs> but these, this trigger word is a great thing that people say. I'm triggered by this or I'm triggered by that. Okay. Well, how about we get rid of that word triggered and just know that we have stuff that is sensitive and let's deal with that sensitivity so that it's not something that takes away my power for moving forward. I'm not triggered by alcohol. I'm not triggered. Okay. Pedophiles. Yeah. I'm, I get triggered by it. 
you want to piss me off to start talking about the fact that they're human beings and that they they have a right to do whatever they want that pedophilia is actually just a sexual orientation yep you'll get yep i'm i'm gonna i'm able to have this conversation now with you but if you were in front of me or somebody was in front of me you'd be swallowing a bat up your ass that's that and i because we all have our it's not surprising that pedophilia is something that bothers me shocking however it's not a trigger it just pisses me off and i need to try to become as as okay as possible with it well not with pedophilia but well it's you know what's funny about <laughs> pedophilia i will tell you this it, and this is where i i'm actually and that's why i love my shirt uh, yes pedophile, is pedophilia is the one thing where every human species person will agree or disagree you can talk about race politics religion you can all that stuff everybody will fight 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 but with pedophilia i've got people who hate each other on both ends of the spectrum religion all the things i said but they'll agree that pedophilia is wrong or you'll get people who feel that pedophilia is okay either way it's black or white there's no gray area Mm-mm. And I think that that's the one fascinating thing that I can sit there and never mind what we don't agree on. How about what we do agree on? We all agree that pedophilia should be set on fire. Yes, we can charge pay-per-view. Excellent. All the other stuff, we have enough division in this planet. How about we talk about stuff that we do agree on instead of what we don't? And that's where I'll have this conversation. This this shirt has gotten me through TSA in like 1.2 minutes. It's gotten... Great. I've got, I've had men and women come up and say cool things. I've had men and women come up and be like, I don't think that's a cool shirt. I've had women, <laughs> women come up. I don't, I don't like that shirt because the hunt part is what they don't like. So I'm like, okay, so you don't like the idea that it says hunt. Now I very quickly, I don't want you, the viewer to hunt a pedophile. That's this shirt is not for you. The shirt is so the pedophile understands that you are not welcome on this planet. Now, I am anti-suicide. I do not like suicide. With an asterisk. (laughs) Should you be a pedophile and you're watching this right now, please feel free to drink some Drano and wash your mouth out with shotgun shells. I just love you. (laughs) Other than that, I'm, I'm, don't 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 kill yourself but if you're pedophile and leave a note i'm a pedophile and i've killed myself okay good good to investigation know. closed yep you make it a lot easier for our detectives okay john smith i'm a pedophile okay case <laughs> closed good moving on well let's talk about something else real quick that we can agree on and that is yeah. tattoos Ah, I want to, we've talked about some heavy stuff, so I want to, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up soon, but um, I know you can't tell with my current attire, but I Uh also have a a slew of tattoos. So I'm, I'm, yeah, thank you. Um, So I love uh, good tattoos, bad tattoos, because we all have at least one terrible tattoo. Um, So, so tell me a little bit about like your favorite tattoo. You've already told us what you're getting next, but give me a little of your tattoo story. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a plethora of them. Also um, good word. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I can spell it as well. P-L-E-T-H-O-A-E-A. I've 
Oh, never mind. I'm going to use that word. I can't spell it. Um, so I have a bunch of them, and they're every one of them has something. Like I've got a lot of stuff from when I was in Israel. Uh, I've got children's names that I love on me. I've got a phoenix because the phoenix is the best representation of what I'm about. Uh, I've got some Japanese uh, calligraphy from when I got my black belt. And then I've got a a memory for my mom from uh, when she, when she died. Um, And that was more just to, you know, have some closure with that. Um, But, and I'm, I'm still going to, I've got a great guy in, oh my God, he's in California, but he's in the, like kind of the Bay area. Mm -hmm. And we're just, it's just a matter of time till we sleep up this. Cause this, he filled in this arm and he did this. And I I was crying like a three-year-old. The problem with being 50 and, and getting tattoos is it really hurts like a lot. Don't tell people that. Oh, well, you know what? (laughs) Whoever says it doesn't is lying. Now they've gotten, they've changed a little bit. Like it's Mm -hmm. wireless now. Right. And they're, they're quieter because my, mm-hmm. my, my, because I'm partially, I've got tinnitus or tinnitus or whatever it is in both ears. So getting tattooed was never a good thing to do. Um, and now I don't hear anything. It was, oh my God, technology. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I love tattoos. And uh, so have you got sleeves or what, what do you got going on there? Um, so I also have a Phoenix. Uh <laughs> I do on one of my legs Um, and music has been a really part of my journey and healing. And, you know, we could talk a lot about my story, but we're not here for me today. Um, But so a lot of my tattoos are music related. So my Phoenix has a microphone and then my last one or my most recent one was a Hanya mask, which the Japanese. Yes. Um, I was just looking at those yesterday. Like you're fucking, Oh, you are cooler than the other side of a pillow. That is awesome. Uh, Yeah. I'll send you a picture of it, but uh, that was my latest one. And definitely at at this point, kind of my, my favorite and my most emotional um, just for what it signifies to me of kind of that, that mask and yes. And then they also apparently are supposed to protect you from evil spirits. Yeah, that's not supposed to that they do they do they nice. very much do well that we're gonna have to go get tattoos dope. together right that's like, man line it up i am good to go that is oh that is so fucking awesome uh oh oh it's funny how people who have uh, been abused or beaten or whatever it's funny how masks end up being like a, a common theme yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um and to be honest with you i wish i could say i was that deep that i understood all that stuff um, but it's just one of those things of connecting the dots and the puzzles. That's, uh, that's fascinating that, oh, fuck, that's dope. That is fantastic. Uh, well, I, I like can't it. wait to see your next one like that. Yeah. A lot if the sleeve and the good part is, is like, I don't have anything on this side of my chest and there's just a, uh, like a tattoo here, a tattoo here. So it's basically for the most part, pretty untouched. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what it's going to be like. And that's the problem. I wish I knew. Cause then I could just be like, listen, Jason, make it happen. I'm going right. to just give me the tissue so I can cry and get cameras off. Um, but I, unfortunately I don't know what it is. And I'm running out of real estate. Like I, I wouldn't mind doing my legs. I have, I have them on both my legs, mm-hmm. but not like, to, like, you know, like full up. That would be. Oh. Do you have them on your thighs or your. No, hamstrings? I have a, I have a Winston Churchill. 
uh, quote on my right mm -hmm. outside of my calf and then on my left outside of my calf, uh, I got a something from when I got my black belt. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to break some news to you and, yeah. and don't hate the messenger. Okay. But I do have to tell you that my, my outer thigh was way more painful than my arm. Really? Oh, because yeah. the because of the uh, the nerves. I guess down so. That yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's not fun at all. I can see that. Oh, oh. See, so. I do the pinch test because they say wherever you do the pinch and then it hurts, that'll be where it is. And everywhere so far, I've had everywhere they say you shouldn't because it'll hurt, mm -hmm. and I've been good so far. Oh yeah, no that that yeah. I don't know. It, listen, if you're watching this, if you've never had a tie kick or a thigh kick to the outside part where your seam of your leg pangles, mm -hmm. then you have no idea what it's like to almost piss yourself standing. So I believe you when you say it hurts like that. And that could be a, that could be a deterrent. I, I do. Oh. I just wanted yeah. to warn you ahead of time because I would hate to see you get started oh. with like a yeah. really badass design. Yeah. And, and I'm in the fetal position. I can't see you tapping Very out weird. though. You don't strike well, me as a tap out, but I've been, well, I don't know when I got that, like the problem with when I go to get tattoos is when I go to see my guy, I usually have to cram the sessions in like, like back to back. So, Ugh. you know, by the time if I do something Saturday, he goes back Sunday and goes anywhere near it. He's so, excuse me. He's so much as breathes by it. I'm like, ah! <laughs> um, and I thought skin was supposed to get tougher as you get old, like, oh, right. weather. fuck that. I become more like a six-month-old baby. I'm like, ah, 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 ow. That, I see a whole new side of you now. And yeah, no kidding. Fantastic. Yeah, in yeah, <laughs> position, sucking my thumb, crying. Five more minutes. Yes. I can take five more minutes. I am going to come Instagram live that I will pay for my own flight. I will cover my own expenses, <laughs> but this I'm coming for. Absolutely. Well, if so, I, well, I'm sure I'll, I'll take him on. It's in Jason Lawson. He has a, a studio. Uh, I think it's in Brentwood. I think that's where it is. Uh, 11 mag tattoo. I'm going to take him on this because I'm yes. sure he's all, all happy with that. Yep. No problem. We're just going to grind on like, and he stayed away from my elbow. I don't mm -hmm. know. I guess he must've known that I would have started crying because there's yes. still like a blank area and that oh, that's why I, I could never go to prison because I'd <laughs> suck at that spider web. I'd be like, Ugh. yeah, my elbow is not done either. So I did avoid that, but up high and then like kind of inside my arm, those were, yeah. my artist was like, I'm going to go ahead and apologize now. This is going <laughs> to be a little uncomfortable. My, and that was six hours in. I'm like, dude, Ooh. like, why'd you have to save that for last? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You open with that. Right. You don't go midway with that. No, yeah. no. Life Tattoo lesson. artists must be sadists, I guess. Yeah. But then that yeah. makes us the math. Yeah, we're yeah, we are. It's a it's a win lose win lose situation. <laughs> right. I <laughs> agree. Well, I know you have a stake there, so I'm I'm gonna ask you one more question, and this could be the most me? difficult one yet. Right. I'm ready. One piece of relationship advice that you will give to the world. Um well it it it's relationship advice, but it you're when I say it, you're gonna see how it kind of goes across. Um 
have compassion and empathy for the person you were in the past. So when you've made your mistakes in your past and you've done stupid things or you've done things that you feel are unforgivable and you're in your now, I want you to look back at that person and I want you to forgive them and have empathy and compassion because they didn't know then what you know now. And if you can do that, there's a strong chance that you won't, you won't make the same mistakes and you may even grow inside of yourself in a way that makes you a better partner, a better lover, a better, better human being. So a little, little, little compassion and forgiveness for that uh, person in the past. I love that. You are hugely positive on social media, like we talked about. So if people aren't already following you, where can they find you? Uh, most platforms. Uh, Instagram is where I'm, I'm, I'm at my busiest or I'm, I inter- engage. Uh, there's two Facebook pages, a personal page, and then a business page, uh, LinkedIn, and I have a website. And uh, is everything w- your name? Yep. MarcusTorgerson.com or Mark, everything's Marcus Torgerson. Perfect. Easy enough. Well, yeah. Marcus, you have been amazing today. I super appreciate you being willing to open up about your past, your struggles, uh, talking some tattoos with me, uh, yeah, making yeah. me laugh, especially. And thank you so much. You have been the best one yet. I appreciate it. Well, that's right. I appreciate that. And I'll save that until you get the next one that really kicks ass. So I'll take, I'll take my victory while it's here. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I appreciate you thinking that for whatever reason, I had something to say that might uh, have value. And, and I hope that the people that are listening and people that tune into your, to your show uh, take away as much from it that I got from having this interaction right now. Thank you so much. I hope that you have an amazing evening and enjoy that steak. I will. Thank you very much. (laughs) Wow. That was an amazing conversation. I honestly could have talked to Marcus for hours and hours. So you may get to see him again as a future guest. I hope you guys took as much from that conversation as I did. It was so great to see somebody being so vulnerable and real with us. Well, I hope to see you again next week. And remember, you are strong enough and you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're available on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.